You are listening to Down Goes Frazier, bringing you the best mixed martial arts, combat sports, and pro wrestling coverage here on iHeartRadio. Tune in. Also, iTunes. We're on the various amounts of platforms. We look forward to talking to you about all those things and more. Also, some of the stuff going on in the pop culture world here every week. I'm your host, Jason Frazier. I'm usually joined by my co-host, Jeremy Johnson, but he is out this week. Um, he's had a lot of stuff going on with his uh, normal normal stuff that he does on a regular basis. Um, I was really looking forward to talking to him about Raw Underground, as many of you saw WWE TV. Because Jeremy's not a big fan of pro wrestling. Uh, I want to get his aspects on what, what I guess, shoot fighting or kind of an MMA style pro wrestling look like and how that appealed to him. I doubt probably not going to be in his strong he's not going to give us a strong advocacy for that but i just want to hear from his mouth so we'll definitely talk to him about that next week i'm fortunate this week though jeremy's not going to be alongside to talk about those topics but alfred conowa forbes magazine is going to join me to discuss raw underground ratings second quarter reports from wwe aw uh, we'll even probably talk about the versus battle with uh, Rick Ross and 2 Chains and how those things are going. So we'll talk to Alfred. I always enjoy having him on the show. Always a great, great way to – funny guy, but also can give you some good takes about the business side of pro wrestling. So we'll do it a little bit later. Um, just want to make sure you guys are recapping. Make sure you're following us on all the social media platforms. Um, if you don't do TikTok, I'm not going to be mad at you. My wife and Jeremy Johnson seem to ha- think it's great to catch me on uh, TikTok videos I don't want to be a part of. But that's a weekly a weekly occurrence for me. I've gotten used to them. I've adapted and adjusted to those each and every week. One thing I do want to touch on before we get into talking to Alfred is... You know, kind of looking at at some of the things going on with UFC that's come out here lately. Um, with no Conor McGregor, Dana White says, don't expect to see Conor McGregor in 2020. Now, if Alfred was Conor Wall, who's going to join us, he does a lot on the pro wrestling side. I may try to touch on him with this, but I have to figure what Dana White's saying that. It's because he realizes with like the limited overhead – a lot of things going on with their TV contracts still paying off. And they're getting good pay-per-view rates from guys that probably when they came into this year or probably when the planning began in the 2019 budget, they didn't you know, really expect that. You don't expect to see, oh, okay, Jorge Masvidal, yeah, he's becoming a pay-per-view buy, but not 1.3 million uh, pay-per-view buys. Probably didn't see that coming. And, you know, when they had their first pay-per-view back from – um, the COVID era, they did great buy rates on that just because people wanted to see UFC and just wanted to see that, you know, live MMA and high-profile MMA action. So I'm having to think that Dana White seeing some new guys moving the needle. And in this year when maybe you're not worrying about tra- having fighters travel to uh, a show every week, they're just coming to Las Vegas and expenses are a little bit more on the downside. It's probably easier not to have Connor this year. It probably makes more, it's weird to say, it probably makes more financial sense not to have Conor McGregor showing up because you know you got to pay that guy a handsome sum of money when he comes in and he shows up to fight. So I'm thinking Dana White's probably like, hey, we don't need Conor this year with no fans, not trying to boost up live attendance. People are just thirsty for live content anyway, so your pay-per-view buys maybe go up a little bit more than they traditionally do on a, on a regular basis. And they already have some stacked fights coming up with Adesanya and uh, Paul Costa. You got Daniel Cormier's last UFC bout coming up against Stipe Miocic. You got a lot of good things already on the plans for the later part of this year already. 
So why worry about paying kind of when you can say it's the next year, maybe when you have your live gate back. So that's kind of my thoughts on that situation. We're going to get our th- thoughts on more with Alfred kind of we're here next on Down Goes Frazier. Keep things going here on Down Goes Frazier today. And um, my next guest, I'm always excited to have him on the show when we get a chance to talk to him because I like diving into some of the business side, but also having fun with it in the in the nature when you talk about things in combat sports, whether it's MMA, but particularly pro wrestling in this setting. And I have none other than from Forbes magazine, Alfred, Alfred Kanawa joining me today on Down Goes Frazier. Alfred, always a pleasure having you on the show. Always a pleasure being here, man. Good to see you and hear you again, Jason. How's everything? Man, so just like I said, surviving in pre, uh, surviving in this COVID nineteen era is what I like to call. It. That's what they'll call it in the history books for ten years from now when they're going back and recounting everything. Yeah, man, that's that might be the last chapter in those history books. <laughs> I hope, I hope not. Hopefully, <laughs> I said, hope we're around to tell about it. Like I just remember, you know, going when nine eleven happened, and I was always like, this is the the thing in the history book that I'll point to that I remember growing up and, you know, this thing now I'm like, man, I'm part of another one of these. Either things are getting better. Or I'm just getting really old. and I'm going to keep seeing more historical events that I'm going to have to tell my kids and grandkids about. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what we are. We're in a historical time. This akin to like the great depression, the great recession and whatnot. That's our version of this right now. Yeah, unfortunately it is. And you know, one thing we, we thought, at the beginning of this process, um, I know I did. I'm like, oh, you know, pro wrestling. I kind of was on the fence about should it continue, should it not. But I'm like, you know, it'll keep my mind off things, you know, for a time being. And I thought WWE had a real chance to maybe get some new fans um, during this time period because there was they were the only thing that was live, fresh TV going on at the time. And that didn't quite happen. Uh, what do you think has been the problem with, you know, actually declining ratings? What do you point to the most is like, I, it was the most, the biggest reason for this going on, this trend for WWE right now? Oh, there's a lot of things, but it's 100% creative. It's 100% the administration they're in. It's 100% Vince McMahon. I just thought it was so funny last week where Vince, his new pivot point when they're asking him about the ratings is, well, you know, we don't have any fans. We don't have an audience. And there's a good point there that uh, WWE and professional wrestling at large uh, inherently may struggle in terms of drawing ratings because their product is very fan-driven in terms of live sports and having live fans in attendance and whatnot, but the fact that their ratings have been historically low compared to the lowest of all times, uh, that has something to do with issues beyond COVID. That is an indictment of the product and how bad the creative is, how bad the characters are resonating with people. Uh, That's not a COVID thing. WWE was set up to really actually take advantage of this time where people are sitting at home, they've got this WWE network, they've got these pay-per-views, they've got WrestleMania and all this stuff, they really set up to kind of capitalize and kind of stave off this ratings decline that was happening well before COVID. But this is just exasperated problems that have been existing in WWE. Uh, so it, it really is concerning that WWE has fallen down so much during this time uh, because if they maybe did have their product and their characters all set up and ready to go. They could tell these stories, yeah, without fans, so it wouldn't be as effective, but they could tell these stories effectively, and and the ratings could be better than what they are, but these are problems that they could have absolutely controlled with better storytelling. I agree 100% because, you know, 
you can point to, and I, I've said this time and time again in this show. Now, because we talk about, you know, combat sports primarily, but even now with basketball, NHL, I can watch those sports and the no fans does not bother me. MMA is the same. It does not resonate with me. It doesn't really affect my my uh, enjoyment of viewing. Now, pro wrestling, yes, because there's those moments where you expect that crowd pop that makes something special. But AEW's been able to figure out how to make things interesting um, for the most part without, you know, the fans. But they just... It's, I think it's the whole thing when you've built up one guy and only one guy for years and that one guy isn't there, uh, it becomes evident that you have no star power. Power and pro wrestling are always going to, you know, they're going to go hand in hand in terms of that next transcendent star. And it's weird to be in a time where that person isn't there. It's very reminiscent of the 90s lean period. Where, yeah, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were big stars, and they ended up being huge stars in wrestling, but uh, they were right after Hogan left when it was, like, just between them. And there wasn't a perception that there was that guy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, Steve Austin type. And we're in that moment right now where it was John Cena, and they haven't made a guy anywhere close to John Cena since. I mean, Roman Reigns is on his way, but, you know, obviously Roman Reigns is out of commission right now. And even when he was on that upward trajectory, WWE just handled it so poorly that... It really alienated a lot of uh, its fans in terms of the push and pull between uh, the communication. So now they're in this holding pattern where not only is their creative really bad, but uh, more of their problems are being exemplified by the fact that they don't have a top star to really build around. They're trying with Drew McIntyre, but this Drew McIntyre, I think, feels really too little too late. They're doing everything right with him. I have really no complaints on how they're booking him, but Mm. I just know how bad this administration is at really all facets of pro wrestling right now. So even the one thing that they're doing right is going to get submerged in all this negativity. And, and you, I can't say a bad thing about Drew McIntyre. The three-year-old in my house will, uh, will be very upset with me. For some reason, he's always pinged with Drew, man. Even heel days and the music and everything. He's been a Drew guy. So, like, I don't know what it was about Drew McIntyre that hit the, the three-year-old. I wish WWE would have figured that out a long time ago. <laughs> the yeah. same time he did. but department. Uh, it, it's just weird to like nothing is really I watch out of habit more so than I do out of like man this is pure enjoyment me going to Monday nights and I don't want to make this like a bashing thing for WWE but if you're the the, the execs for Fox and USA or you know NBC you gotta be like man next time this contract comes up you guys aren't getting this damn money yeah, that's the scale. We can't really predict what the landscape is going to be, but I can't imagine just this is obviously isn't what they expected when NBC or Fox got WWE, especially Fox, especially if you see what they debuted to. Like, well, I believe it was like 3.4, just under 4 million. And now they're down to, you know, what they were doing when they were on USA Network. They're down to the sub 1 millions. And uh, I can't imagine, especially when... I foresee the budgets going down for these TV networks as streaming stations gain more and more traction. I cannot see any type of deal where WWE is able to negotiate another billion-dollar deal after five years of really subpar ratings. And the thing that doesn't help the case of, I mean, I know the TV deals and probably the network's probably like, hey, we expect better. But if you look at their second quarter earnings and they're reporting a monumental plus there, you're in the black. So you're like, okay. What will they change if they're still making money hand over fist? And that's the thing. WWE is a good business model. It's a good business that's being held up 
by television money. Uh, and they're very, very lucky and gracious to have, you know, they had Michelle Wilson and George Berrios, who are two very, very competent minds when it comes to financially. And then Nick Khan, who they just hired as the CRO, he helped. <laughs> go so, listen, they have the good business minds in terms of setting this thing up. And they cut a lot of people. A lot of that profit is because they cut hundreds of staff during COVID-19. So they were able to save on expense. Obviously, they were able to save on production expenses and whatnot. So the business is doing just fine. They're telling two different stories. If you look at the business in terms of the money they're making, they're making more money than they ever had in history. But that is helping mask a lot of these shareholders when it comes to all the other incremental problems on this business. All the huge glaring warning signs that point to the fact that they're actually in a decline and not in a boom period. And more and more investors and shareholders are figuring this out because people are starting to sue WWE in class action lawsuits for making claims during earnings presentation that the ratings are down because of injuries. And then once these people came back and the ratings kept down, they, they, going down, they realized like, okay, what's going on here? Something's going on here with this company. Uh, if more and more people are realizing that they're actually in a decline, not the financial windfall that, that it's suggesting. And it's not it's not going to be a quick fix because the thing is you look at other periods where they've shifted from you know this decline you know we talk about you you mentioned you know kind of the Bret Hart the new generation era uh, you know Bret right. Sean Diesel but they were building those stars and eventually you know two three years later they were hitting you know all time pay per view numbers all time attendance numbers at that time period I'm looking. And, and, you know, I'm looking at the roster, there's some talented guys, but is there that guy that you can be like, man, this guy can be like what Stone Cold and The Rock was to the Attitude Era and really pick this company into like a upper trajectory they've never seen before? It's plenty of guys that have come through and maybe aren't even there anymore who I have felt that way about. You know, Zack Ryder could have been that guy in 2011 just based on how strongly he connected with them. You look at WWE's social media and how they embrace social media, it's like one of the only KPIs that has gone up, but that's because that's how social media works. People are always adding and subscribing and whatnot. Uh, it, that was really spearheaded by Zack Ryder. Like, Zack is a guy who started using YouTube. It was at a time where WWE was kind of wary of social media, and there was kind of an unwritten rule that you shouldn't be on Twitter. And then once they saw the success he was having, then they decided to co-opt it for themselves. Uh, but the and I'm not, that's my answer is not Zack Ryder. I'm just giving one example of several of the guys that they've had who could have elevated to that level. But WWE made a conscious decision to elevate the brand over the talent. And on top of that, they have a broken administration that forgot how to book pro wrestling. So they don't know how to build, they don't have a good connection with what their fans are, um, like appreciate. Oftentimes they'll book somebody thinking that they're a heel, like a Becky Lynch situation, uh, CM Punk situation. And they'll think of this person is a heel and the fans will gravitate toward them because WWE is on a completely different page so there's all kinds of problems that they've had that yeah they've had all these talented people but administratively WWE can screw anybody up because they don't have the proper procedures in place in terms of how to make a big star so there's been plenty of guys the guy right now I love is Big E I think you know Big E what's going to help him is he has built in credibility with this fan base for the past you know several years he's been with New Day and has built this connection with fans so they're going to it's going to be more natural in terms of them wanting to see him ascent. He's waited his turn. Uh, they did a great job with Kofi Kingston giving him this like great speech. So this is a situation where I think if they go all the way with Big E, it's going to work fantastically. But I, I this administration. Yeah, and I, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm I'm all for this Big E push. I've been saying it for a long time, and I actually prefer it this way. I felt like you know some people were like, oh, he has to turn on New Day 
to get get this over get over some more but i don't think that's the case i think you let him go do his thing and they you know they've done this before with other groups they kind of like somehow wind up back together eventually just on some kind of happenstance just let that happen naturally but right now is a time where you have a guy who's a proven commodity fans like um who's been using his platform beautifully in the in the social media realm too to talk about issues and why not him right now? Because evidently, as someone who was a huge Braun Strowman fan and appreciated uh, Braun for what he was, he's not getting the job done. You know, when you talk about ratings or building interest. Um, the Fiend character has his capabilities, but still not getting the job done. Why not somebody like Big E, who's proven to be to sell merch, to do things over time? I think now is the time for him. Absolutely. And I mean, to your point about Braun Strowman, the Fiend not getting the job done, once upon a time, they were hot commodities. They're, you know, I would, I would track Braun Strowman on Raw when he was really hot and tipping stuff over. Like, that's some of the biggest YouTube mm-hmm. viewership they do. And it would translate to TV. Like, these Braun Strowman segments for a little bit there, I believe it was like August in 2017, he was like a positive for ratings. He was doing really well. But they screwed him up. They screwed the Fiend up. Uh, and like, it, now Biggie, they're on him. And they haven't screwed him up yet. But. Uh, hopefully, if they're if they don't, you know, go in the direction of making Biggie wrestle some wacky match or have some stupid finish or something like that, and people will lose faith because it's not going to take much. Like they've screwed so many of these guys up that it's not like much of them screwing up Biggie for people to be like, oh, okay, here is another failed project. So it's they really need to be careful. The more they promote somebody as a potential top star. Here's a question I have for you, too, kind of when you look at Big E and other guys who come from NXT and they kind of drop the ball. I, I don't have the metrics. I know I see, we can see the ratings, but just this is just from a feel standpoint. When I watch NXT, it doesn't have the luster it once did because I think probably some one of those reasons is because we've seen so many of these guys go up to the main roster or go to Raw and SmackDown because I know they want to treat us three brands. And they've done absolutely nothing. Do you think maybe NXT is kind of suffering from how those guys translate to the main roster with fans maybe not being as invested in NXT as they once were? I don't know if you could point to NXT suffering because of that, because there are such extenuating circumstances of them coming to TV and whatnot. But I definitely think it would absolutely help NXT if it was perceived as like everybody who comes out of here is a huge deal. It's like no different than call football where a lot of these sec teams get the biggest contracts because a lot of these sec teams the sec and college football seen as like the big leagues you know a lot of these big power conferences big 12 too like pac 12 they're seen as these power conferences so they get these big television deals because it's seen as you're going to see the next carson Wentz, you're going to see the next so-and-so come through this league uh but with nxt it's like if there's a perception that yeah the guys who come here do well in NXT and they just kind of run in the wall in WWE, that's going to hurt the luster of the brand. So, absolutely, it would hurt the perception of NXT. And because NXT moved to USA Network to compete with AEW, I think that's hurt them too because now they're existing there to hurt AEW more than to build their own brand. And once upon a time, they had their own nice, unique, like niche product that didn't have to worry about anything like mainstream television. And yeah, and that's where I'm. I just look at the product when you're comparing AEW. And, and not everything, AEW's been gold. I won't point to them being like, but they've had a lot more, you know, between their one, their two hours a week compared to WWE's seven hours. They've had a lot more things that have been enjoyable to watch as fans and kind of when it comes to character building, story building in the last, in, in the COVID era than I think WWE has. 
No, yeah, absolutely. And um, it's just because it's presented as such like a different, like iconoclast product where it's like you see, you know what you're in for with WWE and then like with brands like NXT and stuff like that, it's just, it comes at you at such a different angle that it's like a breath of fresh air, or at least that's Mm -hmm. what it was start coming in. But the the one thing that uh, I'm, I'm unfortunately, Jeremy Johnson's not here on the line with this right now. Because I really wanted his take in this conversation. <laughs> WWE tried something new this week. And, you know, for those who follow the show, Jeremy Johnson is usually the guy who is is hating on pro wrestling. And, is you know, he's an MMA guy. That's his thing. He doesn't like any pro sports. Like, I know this for a fact. If it's not MMA, he's probably not watching it. So, <laughs> whenever I saw WWE Underground this week, I messaged him immediately and said, "You got to turn on Monday Night Raw right now. You got you got to check this out because I need you to give my you my uh, give your honest opinion of this and assessment of what is going on right now." I know we don't have Jeremy Johnson giving this honest assessment, but I do have you get Alfred giving giving us your assessment. What did you think of WWE Underground? I thought it was awful. I, I didn't, it just, there was such a disconnect. It's like knowing what's going on, they're doing it in the third hour. So clearly they're doing it to goose viewership in the third hour, but it's just another short-term fix that I just, the second I saw it, I was like, oh, this is going to be the next thing that they just give up on in a couple of weeks. It just has this desperation written all over it to where it's like, we're going to put real fights on, but they're going to be fake. So you're already going to lose credibility. Nobody goes to WWE to watch real fights. So you're already behind the eight ball there. But they're going to put on a real fight in their impression of a real fight. So not only is it not going to be a real fight, which people aren't even asking for, it's going to be a fake real fight, which is even worse, especially <laughs> done by WWE, which has no edge whatsoever. I think the only way they could save this is by making it ironic, is just making it like five minutes every as the most zany, like kind of Matt Hardy-esque type brawls where you give Eric this character and he has to go and fight for the love of a princess. You just make it as ridiculous as possible because this isn't going to work in its natural form. It needs to be ridiculous and ironic. Otherwise, they've got a complete failure that people are going to put up there with Brawl for All. Yeah, I, well, I put up for Brawl for All, but I think with the, like, that's what I think immediately when you have WWE attached to it. That's what people were going for. But I just remember going to the very first Bloodsport Mania weekend. And I'm sitting there like, this is exactly what they're going for. But they're not getting it. Because the thing with Bloodsport that made it made it work is because it was a one-time thing or once-a-year thing. And also, the, the you had Matt Riddle. You had uh, Miro Suzuki. You had guys like that participating that had that know legit background i know they had bobby lashley you have dolph ziggler but dolph's been so he's been more ingrained in the WWE background for so long that people forget about his you know amateur wrestling background they really don't think about it um kind of the same with lashley in a sense you still realize he's legit but i think they they don't have enough guys to make that to make that work i think when you're trying to get that underground feel and real shoot fighting absolutely yeah you see all these guys and it's like you know it's one thing to have some tough guy but then you're just like wait that's Dolph Ziggler and blonde hair and he's got a blowout and they're doing this so it's like is it fake what, what is going on completely confusing it was so bad and then you have the, the, the you know the the background answers um which makes it real interesting when your wife decides to watch wrestling with you for five minutes like 
what are you watching? Uh, I am watching. <laughs> I, I promise I'm watching Monday Night Raw. I promise you that's what it is. <laughs> so um, that makes it interesting. But just a lot of things that you scratch your head about trying to figure out what's going on next. Um, like I said, it's a different era for pro wrestling. Like just the guys who are able to figure out how to how to ebb and flow this, whether it's independent scene or not. Um, or AEW or WWE are going to be the ones that, that come out the best for this. Who are some people you're just enjoying during this whole time period? Who are you really like, who, who you think has boosted their profile during COVID era and made the best of a bad situation? I really like what Cody's doing on AEW. I like the um, open challenge for the TNT title because part of that is that he can't compete for the world title. So he's kind of made that into his own like world heavyweight championship. I don't feel like he's made it more of, you know, and I don't say more important, but I, I think more people are attracted to what he's doing with that title than they are with what's going on with the AW world title at sometimes. Yeah, you could definitely make that argument. And especially because there's such an element of surprise that helps the ratings. So you never know who's going to come because it could be somebody from another promotion. And it was cool to see a guy, you know, here in the, that we're, you know, here in the St. Louis area that I am. And a guy who's really made his way through the rankings and made his raised his profile so much in the last four to five years is Jake Purnell, or you know everybody knows refers to him as Warhorse only now. Yeah, I love Warhorse. Now I put him over big time on social media, and Cody responded to it, and so clearly they have big, you know, hopes for Warhorse. But I thought that was, I think he's got something. I, and yeah, and I hope that you know you've seen a lot of these guys. I know they signed Eddie Kingston. They've Sign other guys that have been involved with Ricky Starks, who also participated in that challenge. So it's good to see guys like they get an opportunity, especially right now with like the independent scene is kind of uncertain. You know whether you're going to get dates, how how often you can get booked right now because of things going on with um, coronavirus. Right. And you know SummerSlam's coming up. Got a couple big matches. One big match, of course, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton. Where do you feel they go there? Or where do you think they should go there? And just in your mind of like who who should be the guy that comes out on top going forward uh, for the rest of the year after uh, from the SummerSlam matchup? I really think they can go either way. Like I want to say I don't have a problem with Randy Orton winning because they can put Drew McIntyre over when like actual people come back. But I don't trust them. Like this, there was supposed to be a plan with Sharp and – um, Rhea Ripley, but Charlotte won, and you know, there's no nobody got their win back. And Alfred, I appreciate you joining me today because there's just so much to unwrap. You know, when you talk about uh, pro wrestling and you talk about SummerSlam, you talk about these TV ratings and second quarter reports. And I, you know, I'm a, like I said, I mentioned before, big into pro sports, always have been so. I'm being here in St. Louis, the Blues are in whatever you call this weird hybrid of the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, the Cardinals were <laughs> playing until, until until they got the COVID outbreak. And, you know, NBA, of course, um, it's great watching NBA games at 1 o'clock, meaningful games at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, just great stuff. But I'm looking at Mondays, Tuesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. How do you think these things impact ratings? Because I know I'm not the only one that is, has an interest in these sports. 
Uh, and that's a great point, uh, but I think that they're going to adversely impact ratings in a big way. And I think WWE should be really concerned um, because they're so low now that usually that time before sports comes back, WWE enjoys a little bit of a cushion. And then when the NFL comes back and all these other sports are around, it has a precipitous drop. Well, now it's already had a precipitous drop to where it's at record low numbers now so now with you know the low numbers they have now they're going to have to compete with football basketball baseball you know with or without live fans that october month is going to be very brutal for WWE. i'm telling you and i'm telling you like not only all-time lows i hope i'm wrong about this but i see them flirting with going under a million if they have oh, to wow. compete with football basketball, baseball college sports and the election because if you remember in 2016 the election did a huge number on raw raw went to its lowest number in history at the time in 2016 uh, up against the debate now you know who knows what the election landscape is going to be if there are going to be any debates or whatnot but if WWE has to compete with the election in live sports in october given what the numbers are in covid it could get very very ugly and I need even fact in the election. Like, I'm glad you brought that point up because, you know, I'm thinking sports, you know, of course, NFL, we talk about Monday Night Football doing a number. But now that you mentioned, you know, 2020 and this being probably in our lifetime, so I think we're right around the same age with the most um, watched or most anticipated election in in. In our in our in my 35 years of life, I know for I can say that. Right. So yeah, that's that's definitely a key, key point there on that demographic. What, what so besides Russell, what have you been tuned into during this COVID era? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I've loved the uh, Michael Jordan documentary. I got really into that. I watched it a couple of times, you know. Um, but uh, you know, there's been some binge watch opportunities. You know, the Office is never a bad watch. Uh, the Larry Sanders show and whatnot. But then there's like shows that you don't have to think to watch, like. The floor is lava. That, that's that's always a fun show to just have in the background and, and kind of check out what's going on over there. But uh, you know, I've been getting into a lot of other wrestling promotions. I've had time for like Impact Wrestling, which I'm now back watching every week. Um, you know, MLW is always great. Uh, so you know, the pandemic has really given me a chance to watch other promotions more closely, which has been great. Now you mentioned the floor is lava. I watch it because my son is. We talked about the three year old who loves Drew McIntyre. You, if you watch Ryan, you know that that series and um, the kid who's making billions of dollars for and gets to go to amusement parks all the time. I'm like, we're doing something wrong here in our household. But you know, um, <laughs> they'd always do the floors lava thing, and I'm always and I'm watching it and I get fascinated by that Netflix series. Also, guys, grocery games have become my thing, and I can't cook worth oh. a damn. But like, I'm determined to figure out how to make some of these things they make on there. But the floors lava. <laughs> You constructed your team, you know, you and two other people, anybody you can choose, who's on your team to make it across that, uh, that, uh, that obstacle horse. Oh, wow. Like anybody that I know and like, what, what are we talking? Are we doing like a fantasy where I can pick wrestlers or just yeah, like my yeah, friends yeah, that yeah, I have? Anyone, any, anyone living that, you know, like, Hey man, I can, I think we can get, make, make get all three of us across. Now I know my team's going to struggle to get me across. I know that's going to be a problem. <laughs> so I'm basically picking two people I know are going to get across for me. You know, I'll be the sacrificial limb to, you know, make a bridge or move the last lever out the way to bring down the hidden, uh, the hidden help thing they always have on there. But who, right, who's on your right. team to get you across your three person team? I played rugby 
in college, it would definitely be a couple of rugby guys because parts of that show, there's parts where you just have to give your body up to the, you know what I mean? If you want to get across, you got to throw your body up against a rock or whatnot. And I know rugby guys are built to just run into things like that, and I don't think that'd be as much of a problem. So it would be a couple of rugby guys for sure. So you're not uh, picking then, the gymnasts and the high jumpers because they're not ready to give up their body. I think they're that's ready. overrated. They're not ready to get hurt. Yeah, not <laughs> Not, not, not at all. No, no gymnasts, no high jumpers, no. You know, athleticism is great, but this is a different sport, and it, and it requires some grit. And I think the rugby guys would have the grit and the, the glutton for punishment, really. Yeah, like I said, I've been watching all those things, and the versus battles have been great too. That's been my other. Uh, yes. I look forward to. Who, who do you got in this two change Rick Ross thing tonight? Oh my God, that's going to be so great. And a lot of them have been on Monday, so I've been actually going back and forth. Like the Snoop and DMX one was great. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Rick Ross, 2 Chains. Okay, Rick Ross has to be considered the favorite, right? But 2 Chains, look at his catalog in terms of just anthems and just club bangers and songs that you hear. And, you know, and I'm talking about his entire catalog, songs that he's been on and whatnot. He could absolutely win this. If he's strategic enough and he picks the right songs at the right time, they've got they're both kind of similar to where they're uh, mainstream type rappers who have a lot of hits. So it's not going to mm-hmm. be necessarily like Jadakiss, um, with his battle with Fabulous, where it was kind of like the streets versus like popping anthems. And I thought that it was kind of a little bit of oil and water as much as I did enjoy that one. Yeah. But this one is going to be hit for tat. And I think it can go either way, but I think Rick Ross is a favorite and he should win, but I wouldn't be surprised if two chains, you know, snuck up on him with a couple of, cause we forget about the amount of hits two chains has. Yeah. I always go through with like, I look at the songs and I think about their songs that cannot be matched. Like, I don't care what you play it's not, nothing's happening when they put that song on. And right. I only can give, there's two songs that if two chains plays them any round, he's going to get automatically. And that's going to be a uh, birthday song. And I, also if he plays a uh, duffel bag boy, he's getting those. <laughs> Like yes, Ross yes, can pull anything out the bag. He should get those rounds. Yeah, I think I absolutely think Ross should be in control of this, but Ross should not sleep on two chains. I'm telling you, Ross is gonna have to work if he wants to win this. And he, and he can, and it's there for him to win. But two chains two chains are scrappy. I think when you hear he's such a fun loving guy, people uh, people do take him seriously, but it, you know, he brings a smile to our faces, so it's easy to underestimate him. And I think he's being underestimated from what I've seen in terms of people saying that Rick Ross is gonna wash him. I honestly think we're gonna have a little bit of funny. You know, maybe maybe it'll be Rick Ross like I don't know eight rounds to two, maybe seven, six rounds, four or something like that. But I, I think we're gonna get a battle. Yeah, I think so too. I, I'm I'm looking forward to tonight. I always look forward to those even more so than my Monday Night Raw. Uh, even with Raw Underground, I still look forward to these versus battles. This has kind of been the highlight of the pandemic. For me. <laughs> so I'll definitely be tuning into that and always, always checking out your columns too. Uh, just tell us, tell our uh, listeners some of the latest things you've been writing about here. And I know they can catch you on Twitter too. Sure. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at this is nasty. Go on my Forbes site. Just had to cover an insane story about Marty Janetti, which I'm sure you're <laughs> familiar with. Uh, it just gets crazier by the second. And then uh, one thing that I've been able to do is start a YouTube channel, something I've been wanting to do, but now that I have free time with the pandemic, uh, launched for wrestling bits so i've been updating that week a few times a week i'm going to have interviews with jeff cobb and tama tangalo up there i've got interviews with kenny omega or, i'm sorry kenny um king and uh shane taylor up there right now they talk about ownership so a lot of great stuff that's going to be coming through the pipeline definitely check those out 
man, you, you talk about that Marginetti story. Like, it's Dark Side <laughs> of the Ring was probably done filming their episodes for season three. Like, hold on, we got one more we got to fit in here, evidently. Uh, Marginetti's, yeah. co- Marginetti's <laughs> copping to one on Instagram right now. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, man. I, I've been thinking about that. The Dark Side of the Ring people, uh, like right after they filmed that season, there was a couple other things that had happened in wrestling that it's like, oh, this would make such a perfect episode. Yeah, oh, and tw- this is one of them, absolutely. Oh, yeah. The tw- 20 seat has a season all to itself. They they don't, they can do For a full sure. episode or full season, seven episodes strong of 2020 in the pro wrestling business. It will, it will be absolute. absolute bangers coming out and absolute stories that people want to hear about. So, yeah, I'm always. Always interested in that and that show too as well. And that that was good. That was a good watch for uh, the first part of the pandemic, which seemed like months ago now or years ago almost right. at this point. Right. No, it does seem like it really was only a month ago. Now that when you said months, it's like it didn't even seem real that that's how the only amount of time that's passed. But yeah, here we are in Hotel California. Yeah, Hotel California back. And it's good to have you back on the show. Good that you're out there in California doing being health, healthy and safe. Always a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely, Jason. Always a pleasure. Let's do it again soon. Let's do it again around SummerSlam. That's going to conclude Down Goes Phrase this week. Thanks to Alpha for joining us. And before I let you go, we're here, like I said, we're always here in the St. Louis area as our home base. So I know a lot of people were excited this week. When? The XFL was purchased by none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Bringing back the XFL, a lot of people are hoping that the St. Louis Battlehawks franchise will be revived and come back here. But, you know, he's pointed it out, but it's just kind of crazy. You think about the guy who ended his playing career in the CFL with barely any money, becomes a pro wrestling star, then becomes a, a Hollywood, Hollywood megastar, probably the guy right now in all of Hollywood, the main guy that anybody wants in any of their movies to pitch to. They want to make a billion dollars at the box office outside of your comic book, your superhero movies. Dwayne Johnson's that guy now, the guy who once had NFL dreams, CFL dreams were dashed, now owns a whole entire league. $15 million to buy the XFL, bringing that back. I know a lot of people in my area, the St. Louis area, are excited about it. I see Birmingham, Alabama's like, hey, give us some of that XFL action. Uh, we want a team down there. I don't know when you bring the XFL back because of the pandemic. I don't know when football is one of those things you guys can that can be played on a regular basis. Um we're going to find out sooner and later with college football making some decisions, NFL football making some decisions. But very cool to see The Rock be a part of that. Um, also, his ex-wife and his business manager, Danny Garcia, she is now the first woman to own a, uh, uh, any kind of pro sports league. So that's very cool to see some groundbreaking stuff there. But just a guy that we grew up, you know, I grew up cheering for and, you know, saying all the catchphrases, you smell the rock is cooking, you know, all those things growing up is now a, a, a pro sports owner. Very cool. Very cool to see that indeed. That wraps it up for us here on Down Goes Frazier. Thanks to Alfred Kanawa, Jeremy Johnson. We'll be back with us next week. Until then, check us out. Check out previous episodes on iTunes. Tune in. iHeartRadio. You can catch all the previous episodes of Down Goes Frazier there. Follow us on social media. We'll talk to you next week.